Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the MJ Cast. This is our first special, I guess you could call it. And just to give uh, a bit of background as to why we're doing special episodes, of course, usually we do regular episodes where we cover uh, Michael Jackson news and discussion uh, and all kinds of things like that. But every once in a while, uh, we would love to do special episodes. It is a big vision of, of Q&I that we get to talk to uh, prominent people within the Michael Jackson world, whether it's people people that knew Michael, worked with him, interacted with him, or even uh, have seen him live in concert. And uh, in the case of our guests today, uh, have written um, books about him. So uh, on today's episode, uh, we do have, uh, uh, like I said, a special guest. It is Sil Mortilla, uh, a phenomenal author who's just penned a, a great great non-fiction book about Michael Jackson called The First Book of Michael. Uh, we've also got Q, our co-host on the show today, uh, but I might kick things off by asking Sil, how are you going? Uh, going very well, thank you. Um, it's a real privilege to uh, be on here, so thank you very much for having me. Oh, that's our pleasure, absolutely. And Q, how are you doing, mate? Good morning. It's like 9.40 in the morning here from Western Australia and poor Sill is up in the dead middle of the night to talk to us, which we are very, very grateful for. Oh. But it's, it's my own fault because I missed the appointment last night. Yeah, but it was still the same time. It still would have been the same <laughs> early middle of the night for you yesterday as well, so... Oh, it's, it's absolutely fine, Sil. It's just our pleasure that we can be here talking with you anyway. Um, so whereabouts are you in the world? I think you're in England, aren't you? Or? Uh, I am. Currently, I'm in the southwest of England, um, but I'm originally from the northwest of England. Um, uh, is it? And from a, is a, it? Rugby league town, a rugby league town, which uh, I'm sure, uh, being Australian, you're aware of the sport of rugby. Very much so, especially for Queen. I actually grew up in Queensland, where Jamin is now, and uh, rugby league was the sport of Queensland. So I don't get this whole Australian rules football business that's taken over the rest of the country. I have no idea about uh, that game whatsoever, but um, rugby league I can talk to you about because I'm from I'm from, uh, Wigan. <laughs> I'm from, uh, from Wigan originally. Oh great! And is it is it winter? It must be the dead of winter there still. Is it still? Uh, no, we're just uh, coming into spring. It was a really beautiful day today. It's almost um, summery, so it's slowly getting warmer. So. And what's a warm day for you? What's a nice? What was the temperature roughly for you today? Well, I think today was the hottest day of the year so far, and it's probably about ten degrees. Which is one of the low temperatures for our win- <laughs> yeah, winter we here in, in Perth. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yes, and I'm, my my brother lives in Sydney, and uh, he. I get to see his pictures of sunbathing quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, well, let's let's kick things off, Sil. I would I, I got to ask you to start off with. Obviously, your real name's not Sil Mortilla. That's a pseudonym, isn't it? Where where does this come from? Uh, yeah, my real name is Peter Mills, which I'm sure, I think some people are probably know, know aware of. Um, the Sil Mortilla pseudonym comes from. Um, uh, it's an anagram of my mother's name and my father's, uh, sorry, my mum's surname, my father's surname. Um, and basically when I was very young, uh, they separated and uh, it was around at that time that I discovered um, Michael. And so I wanted to try and create something positive um, out of that separation using uh, Michael. And uh, so the name Sil Mortilla came about. From I think it's a beautiful sentiment. Well, I just um, kind of don't know. I'm quite uh, soppy. <laughs> so, uh, that's, that's where it came from. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I got to say, I, I've had uh, the chance to read a lot of your work at this point, and uh, especially since you've been writing um, on your blog, Silmortilla dot com, I believe it is, and I've read quite a lot of your pieces on that, but it wasn't really until I read your latest, or sorry, your, your first book, I should say, the first book of Michael, that I've really, really come to, um, I guess, appreciate the depth of uh, how much history you know about as well. Uh, I think the thing that's impressed me the most about your book is not only your discussion around the history of Michael Jackson, but also how uh, deep 
I guess you you dive into world history and American history and then how you compare that against the life of Michael Jackson. I think that's probably the thing that's impressed me the most. It's, it was an absolute pleasure reading your book recently, I, I must say. What was that? Did my Siri just go off and start talking about Siri. Michael Jackson? Siri wants to be in the episode. I don't know. Oh, Siri. I, I, I'm pretty sure I don't sound like that, but I don't, that wasn't me. Uh, <laughs> I think I might have the, to leave that in. <laughs> the AI is taking over, boys. The AI is taking over. There's our show title, Q. <laughs> um, I've forgotten the question. Uh, what was it? Uh, oh, it the... wasn't. It wasn't really a question. It was just me saying how awesome your book is and how much oh. I love it that you talk about general history within your book as well. Yeah, well, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Um, uh, there was, I got a lot of flack um, when the book was first released, so it's very nice to always hear some um, positive feedback, which I've had a lot of. Um, but I think because Michael was such an important historical figure, that it makes sense that you know. He is, uh, it is related to history in in general. Yeah, absolutely. Like I was reading um, a chapter this morning, actually. I I just wanted to refresh my mind about uh, your work because it was probably, I'd say, about a week and a half ago that I read the book in its totality, but I thought I'd go back today and read little portions of it. And I just uh, opened up to chapter two, which was one of my favorite ones. And uh, you start off the chapter by talking about P.T. Barnum, who was uh, obviously a marketeer that inspired Michael a lot. And then in the next, you got a couple of sentences on, uh, you're talking about, you know, Captain EO. And then you're going straight into talking about film directors like John Landis, Martin Scorsese, George Lucas, Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, And then, you know, the next page on, you're back talking about the Dangerous album and then the Jacksons. And I found the thing I love about your book is just how much you, um, I guess, include cultural context in your work because you know that's for me as a Michael Jackson fan I've always kind of and I don't know if you'll understand what I mean here but like I've always kind of used him as a lens to look at history so when as a Michael Jackson fan I'm always thinking about how he's connected with other uh, entertainers or other cultural um, icons and then kind of enjoy their work because of their connection with Michael or how they've informed Michael so your book kind of puts uh puts a lot of different things in perspective for the reader, I think. Well, I mean, exactly. I mean, I don't think you can... Uh, the big point of the book is that it can't be understated how important Michael is as a, a cultural, historical figure. Um, so it just makes sense that, it, you know, his name should be uh, synonymous with all historically important events. And, you know, naming all the, the directors and things, well, you know, those, that's just the truth. That's That's... Those are the people that he worked with, like important uh, artistic figures. Absolutely. So, if you were to tell somebody, I guess, um, in a few words, what your book's about, in essence, how would you describe it to them? Um, as I said before, uh, with the name Silmore Tiller, which is a, a kind of an attempt to create some uh, unity out of a negative experience, the book is. I'm trying to unify uh, the Michael Jackson fan community in a way because it, it's so uh, fractured, um, especially since his death. Um, and it's just trying to get people to understand more about the human being that Michael was and how um, you know he, he had his foibles like everybody, but um, they were always uh, magnified because of the media scrutiny. And... Um, just trying to understand uh, how his decisions and his decision making and, and but ultimately it's about how I don't think the world can afford to uh, dismiss Michael Jackson as a, uh, a totem for um, world peace I mean that says quite grandiose but like in it, you know it's not quite put like that but um, it, it's just I'm trying to do a a good positive thing for Michael and fans. I don't know if I read it or heard it somewhere. Still, it sort of has. It's been described as your love letter, not not a mm. love letter as a romantic thing, but a love letter to Michael. Is that? Am I on the right track thinking that's sort of also what it is? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's 
you know, I put a lot of work into it because, um, you know, Michael has been my life for such a long time, uh, well, you know, since I was seven. And um, I, oh, I feel like I owe, I owe him a lot. And I wanted to uh, have this kind of tribute of gratitude. And, you know, people have asked me and said, you know, we wish that you were writing when Michael was alive. Because um, you know, it would have been nice to have a voice that people listen to, but I don't think I'd have been able to do it when he was alive because um, his death affected me so much that uh, that's why I decided to start writing about him. Well, you sort of did write when he was alive. You wrote articles for uh, Michael fanzines, didn't you, back in the nineties? I did. Dif uh, yeah, different I did. style of writing, different style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I mean, Michael's death uh, affected me a lot. Um, and um, I, yeah, I mean, I've grown up a lot since then. You know, those those, those King magazine's articles were, uh, you know, I was just trying to get published. As a, I was only you know, 16, 17 at the time. I just wanted to... Uh, see my name in print, and uh, I wrote about what I loved, and I loved Michael. And obviously, you know, I'm 35 now, I've matured quite a lot, and uh, <laughs> but I still like writing. I still love writing about Michael. So. I, I definitely feel like, in terms of your writing, there is, like you mentioned about maturing, and I, and I do definitely feel a real emotional maturity in your writing. Like when when I read, I was telling this to Q the other day, but when I read your work, uh, it's almost as if I don't have to talk. Like I don't, if somebody asks me a question, how I feel about Michael in any particular instance, it's almost as if I don't have to say anything. All I have to do is just go and get a Silmotilla blog post, copy and paste it, send them, send this to them and just say, this is exactly how I feel. Cause it, it there's a lot of people in the Michael Jackson fan community who basically say Silmotilla sums up how we feel. And, and I definitely feel that way. And you know, a few people that people have, Messaged me and said things like that to me, and it's I, it's such an honour, like because I just write how I feel, and when people say that they completely understand what I'm saying and they agree with me, and it's just it's just an, it's an honour. It's a, it's a gift. It really is because you know I don't want to put too much on it, but because I, I just love writing about him, and I just say write it how I see it. Mm. Was uh, the Book, was the first book of Michael your first actual book? And and what surprised you most about writing a, a book, like a proper book, compared to an article? Uh, yeah, uh, the first book of Michael uh, was my first book. Um, I've been writing some more to a blog for around a year, um, which has become more successful than I could have imagined. Um, you know, people from over 150 countries like over the world, across the world read it. And it became endorsed by people who've been friends of Michael's, like Karen, Karen Fay, who writes the foreword for the book, and uh, Harrison Funk, who provided the uh, cover image. Um, I think that's testament to the quality that you write, and you should be very proud of that. That is, yeah, great endorsements, but yeah, that the success is warranted. You deserve that success. Yeah, and a few people like started messaging me asking me to publish the blogs as a book, but um, due to the style of the post, I didn't think that would work so well. So, and also I didn't have anywhere near enough words. So I decided to use the blog as a foundation and basically started writing a book from scratch. Uh, it was a lot more stress stressful uh, than I expected, uh, partly because I'm such a, a pedant when it comes to grammar. Uh, <laughs> I am a bit of a bit of a perfectionist when it comes to my writing, so it takes me a while. Um, the blog the blog articles are a lot simpler to write because uh, the self-contained ideas that kind of arrive more or less as streams of consciousness. Yeah. Uh, the book the book was much much harder work. I definitely think that shows as well. I mean, I'm a high school teacher. Uh, I teach history and English, so I I like to think that I've got a 
you know, a fairly well-developed vocabulary in some senses. But when I'm reading your book, just the depth at which you write, there's uh, so many different words that I haven't interacted with when I'm reading your book. And I, I was telling this to Q, it's a little bit embarrassing, but <laughs> I've got to read your book with an iPad so I can tap those words sometimes and, and get the meaning straight up so I can learn and be educated as well. So I think the depth at which you write and the, uh, the different things you yeah. talk about are just so valuable to the community. Yeah, I mean, I don't kind of, I don't go out of my way to try and you try and be verbose or anything. It's just um, I like uh, I like alliteration and I, I quite I like tr- to write po- uh, poetically when I can, and um, so those words just kind of make sense all the time. Absolutely. So, what would you say was your biggest challenge writing the book, both prior to publishing and then also after releasing it? Um, having to live with no money, uh, holding myself up in a rented room for hours and eating nothing but sweets, uh, <laughs> having to sacrifice time with my daughters to try and get the book done. That, though, I mean, those are biggest, the biggest challenges. Um, but then, it, I mean, it got to the point of no return where I couldn't stop as I'd already written too much of the books. There's no point stopping. Uh, but then, I also couldn't see any end in sight. Uh, trying to find an appropriate cover image was very frustrating because of copyright and licensing, uh, which I couldn't afford. Uh, initially, I was going to have a, a drawing representing Michael, but I was trying to get over the copyright issues. Uh, but and there's a lady called Karen Merckx, who's amazing, amazing artist, and she put a lot of time in trying to uh, get me a good drawing for the cover, um, but fortunately I became friends with Harrison Funk and uh, he very, very generously provided me with the cover image, uh, but yeah, getting the, getting the cover was a big, a big issue. That probably delayed the publication by about four months. Wow. Definitely worth the wait. Beautiful, beautiful looking book. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Very, very happy with it. And also... Um, uh, my friend and agent, uh, Samar Habib, uh, he um, did the cover design for it. And I I think I, st- I nearly started crying when he sent it to me because I was just <laughs> so happy. Because I, I just wanted to cover that kind of reflected the amount of work I'd put into the, into the writing. So, and I think it does. So. Samar, is that the MJ Academia project on Twitter? The MJ, yeah, that's it, yeah. Awesome. Shout out to Samar. He's a great bloke. Absolutely. He is. He really is. He really is. Um, and, yeah, and, and also the the image that Harrison gave me is from uh, Catherine Jackson's favorite photo shoot of Michael. So, you know, I mean, it was just so generous of him to, to give this to him. But, yeah, uh, I, I mean, obviously, uh, I didn't have to pay him anything, but basically he said if I sell, you know, X amount of copies, like a million, <laughs> then, uh, uh, then, I, then I have to fly him over for a party in London. <laughs> it sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, and what about after publishing? Like, obviously, so you've mentioned some of the challenges there around getting the book together and releasing it. Has it been smooth sailing since releasing? or? Well, no, because I was very naive uh, about the whole process. And um, I just, I wish that I'd known, you know, my next book, uh, whenever that will be, um, I will have learned a lot uh, because I was, it was very frustrating not to know the process of how long things took once you'd um, sent things to Amazon or um, Smashwords. And um, so basically, things didn't come out at the, all at the same time, which would have been quite useful. Mm. Um, and, uh, but I'll know that next time. And also... Um, uh, I was also quite na- very naive about the, how shall I put it, uh, negative uh, backlash um, from the community, um, which was quite shocking in some ways. But, um, you know, it's, yeah, I think it comes with the territory, really. So. I think so. And you, you address it, though, very uh 
you know, before it even happened, you almost addressed it in your book by talking about the division in the community and the need for the community to kind of come together under a common understanding of Michael. So I feel like as if you almost preempted what kind of happened, but, you know, I mean, I, there, there were some things said on Twitter and around the internet about, you know, um, your fandom of Michael Jackson. And, and I just think you responded to that so beautifully by releasing that article on your blog, certain powers, which we discussed, uh, I think last episode on the MJ cast. And, you know, it was great to read. It was almost bittersweet because I felt like, you know, it was, it was awesome that you were revealing how long you'd been a fan, why you're a fan and, and what you've done in your past. For example, writing for King magazine, going to the, to that first history tour show at Letna park in Prague that those things were amazing but at the same time i felt like sill shouldn't have to come out and prove this you know the book should be able to reveal that on its own when the um when the negative reaction started and when it happened i was flawed i was really flawed and i was very angry because there was no need for it at all it was to me and you know this is just a podcast from fans for fans and it's just my opinion but i was really furious and disgusted how that happened and why that happened because it was pointless and stupid and it got personal and it was ridiculous. So, um, and I think you handled it very well with a lot of class and dignity. Well, thank you very much. I mean, it, it, like I said, it was very difficult because I'd spent so much time and effort on the book and not just on the book, you know, throughout my whole life defending Michael and then to have that undermined uh, so quickly was very painful. Uh, because it was being uh, that was being done by people who hadn't read the book. Yeah. So it it, it was tough, but you know, like say, it comes with te- with the territory, and there are a lot of um, uh, factions in the community, and a lot of quite uh, malicious motivations going on by various people. And I mean, I was just. All I could do was just say, well, you know, don't judge it until you read it. And if you read it, like say, you'd be able to completely understand that the book is this love letter to Michael of gratitude and how um, it's just thanking him for all his guidance and support. And, you know, it's just ironic how people in the Michael Jackson community or some people can't... uh, you know, everything that Michael went through with being um, prejudged, and you know, and then they go and do the same thing. You know. Absolutely. Well, you you mentioned before about some of the challenges being somewhat naive about the whole process. In in a nutshell, can you give any advice for both writing and and also publishing for any other fans out there? Uh, the only thing I can say, the only thing which I hold true to all kind of art or you know any kind of writing is uh on honesty just be uh just uh total honesty just write write you know from the heart and if people try to uh discourage you or uh you know undermine you just you have to ignore them and just keep on going and just uh just write what you believe in Absolutely. Would you say that writing about Michael was an emotional experience for you? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I uh, during writing the book, I there was a, I had a lot of joy writing the book, uh, and uh, an awful lot of sadness. Um, and I think and hope that that emotion comes through in in the book. So, but yes, it was a very emotional experience. Yeah, like I said, I think the book is so full of um, just emotional content and maturity. It's it's like going on that journey with you when you're reading it, both both you personally as a Michael Jackson fan, and I think also for somebody who might be a casual fan or maybe not even a fan at all, but just just generally appreciates Michael Jackson, for them to read this book, I think will give them an insight into what it's like to be a fan like we are, having grown up. Uh, you know, engaging with his material and, and, and following his life story as well, right up until 2009 and beyond. I think with um, your writing, still there's an emotional honesty which mm. connects. I think emotional honesty is um, probably one of the most unique things about what you how you write. 
Um, and, and I guess from that, I, I'd want to know like what Michael memories from your own life experience stands out above all others. Like we could talk for days about Michael memories, uh, especially being a long-term fan um, for both of us. Um, so what, what could you pick as uh, something that stands out above all other of your Michael memories? Uh, well, this is uh, something that I didn't actually include in the book, but it's probably the most profound emotional experience um, that I've ever had um, with regards uh, Michael. It was um, uh, in 1992, uh, my mum, who had been very ill, and uh, she came out of hospital. And, uh, uh, me and my siblings, there's four of us, um, you know, we missed our mum, obviously, and she'd been in hospital for a while, and she came out of hospital. And when she came out, because we'd been, uh, we were all Michael fans, and she uh, took us all to um, a Dangerous Tour concert. Um, and Whoa. I was tw- I was the I was the eldest, and, and I was twelve. So there was uh, all the three others were younger than me, and, and so she took us to the Dangerous concert, and it was just life ex- life changing. You know, it was. Uh, you know, I mean, I, re- I remember being a bit annoyed because my younger brother and younger sister uh, were little enough to go on the shoulders of strangers that were stood around us, uh, so I couldn't see properly, but they could. And uh, but it was, I just, I remember, I remember human nature uh, because I remember the, the you know the call out, and um, I remember. Uh, Billy Jean, because I couldn't see it properly, and I was really annoyed. <laughs> and uh, I remember uh, Man in the Mirror and uh, Michael, you know, well, Michael uh, flying off uh, with the jetpack, and uh, just this—I don't know—it was a really weird noise that was going on. I mean, I was very little, but yeah, I don't know. And then, and basically, after that, that was it. You know. Um, and then, of course, 1990. The year later happened, 1993, and um, uh, I had to spend the rest of my life defending him against uh, <laughs> these horrible things. But they, that was my my main, my biggest memory is that first concert. Beautiful. And then, of course, you went on to see him live again. I think, didn't you, as well, during the history tour? Yeah, I, I followed him around Europe. Uh, annoying him, <laughs> uh, uh, and yeah, Ireland, uh, Germany, France. Uh, where else did we go? Uh, England, obviously, and um, yeah, uh, I followed him around, around Europe. So, well, thanks for living the dream for those of us that couldn't do it. Because <laughs> as, as a fan from oh. that era as well, you were living every fan's dream doing that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was I was very lucky. I was very lucky. Absolutely. Did you? Can I just ask as well? Like, did you compare the two tours at all in any way, or like, what what tour stands out to you as your favourite one? You know, between Dangerous and History. Well, oh, between Dangerous and History. Um, um, well, I I have to be honest and I have to say Dangerous, uh, but the um, you know you always want what you don't have, and uh, so. Uh, Bad Tour is obviously my favourite. Ah, uh, yeah. Because it's the one I missed out on. <laughs> well, I missed out on all of them, so. <laughs> but, I mean, I love uh, all the tours for different reasons. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, there's the, the raw energy of the Bad Tour, and there's the sophistication of the other refinements of the Dangerous Tour, and, and the History Tour is more. Um, well, it's, it's, it's theatre, isn't it? It's a, it's a show. So, yeah. or, well, they're all shows, but it's kind of like a a, a musical on tour, you know, the history tour. Yeah, that's a good good uh, analysis, I think. Yeah, as you're thinking about Michael's tours as he went on throughout his life and, and leading up to This Is It, they do get more theatrical as they go right up until, I mean, we know in This Is It there was plans to have a, a bulldozer on stage and, um, you know, all kinds of different amazing things. So definitely more theatrical. Yeah. Yeah, and and uh, you know people, give, you know, give him flack for that. You know, saying that he was uh, compromising uh, natural talent uh, for you know theatrics. But I think the point is that he persevered in doing it, 
and the reason why he persevered in doing it was because he was trying to spread his message and uh, and, tight, and he was he tirelessly um, tried to spread his message uh, regardless of how um, you know ill he was um, or you know absolutely so what about when you were growing up younger uh, as a teenage fan? You know, even even just during the two thousands, did you get hassled or bullied or anything like that growing up as a fan? And how did you handle it? Well, especially as a as a young fan during ninety three, mm. I remember those years as well. So yeah, that's a great question. Uh, yes, of course I did. <laughs> a thirteen year old boy um, in a northern England town who has a, a, a massive uh, is a massive fan of Michael and uh, loves dancing. Um, is you know, going to get a lot of um, uh, stick, which I did. And then, of course, after the allegations in 1993, it just got um, worse. And, yeah, you know, it it wasn't easy, but I suppose that kind of uh, hardens the resolve uh, in defending Michael. Um, and But, yeah, I, I don't know how I handled it. <laughs> uh, I... I, it sort of just came with the territory, didn't it? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, when you, at that time, discovered somebody else who was also a Michael Jackson fan, it was kind of this big, big deal. Like you know, somebody who else, somebody else who understood how you felt, you know. And um, but those people were few and far between like, after 1993. But I think the the hardcore Michael Jackson fans are a very special breed of people, and um, they, you know, I, I, I think they, they, they're not, they're not judgmental. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, it was, it was difficult. It was difficult. And it didn't really get any easier as, as the years got on either. Like as popular as he was and successful as tours and albums were, there was always that side as a fan growing up you used to get a lot of crap off people for it. Yeah, well, well, to this day, you know, you, yep. it's, uh, I think it's going to be uh, ongoing forever, you know, well, on, certainly whilst we're alive, uh, you know, perhaps in a hundred years when people might look at him in the same way to look at Bob Marley or John Lennon or somebody, like, and conveniently you forget, like, the controversies around them, and hopefully he'll just be held up as this... Uh, uh, symbol for peace. I I would hope so. I I can see that definitely happening in the future for sure. But yeah, and then of course in uh, two thousand five, uh, we had to go through it all again. Mm. That's the part that stands out to me as the most difficult in my fandom of Michael was, uh, you know, there was so much going on in the mid two thousands that people kind of used against him. Whether it was his, you know. Um, appearance on living with michael jackson or the trial itself or uh just you know the the whole baby dangling incident there was it was it almost seemed like it was thing after thing happening in the mid 2000s but ultimately i felt it was so important to still defend michael because of everything he was trying to achieve for humanity um and also the fact that he was literally the greatest entertainer that ever lived in my opinion um like barry gordy said at his uh at his um funeral so, yeah, yeah, it's, we we really picked um, a hard path when we uh, picked our idol all those years ago. You know. <laughs> that is so true. That is completely true. <laughs> but I have to say, it was worth it, and it uh, was worth it every step of the way. And it, and it, I think we could all agree that it made us who we are by being on, you know, that side of the the fence. I guess you could say. Well, absolutely, and you know the old cliche is you know uh, the best things are worth uh, working hard for. So I think that's the cliche. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, but and we work hard, you know, defending him. And uh, but he gave us he gave us a lot. You know, he gave us so much, and uh, you know he he deserves every ounce of uh, passion that we 
have in, in his defense. Absolutely. And that's something I think you just said it perfectly then, actually. You said, you know, we always got stuff. Yes. We got enough back. That's right. Off him. Like people go, well, what do you mean you got stuff back? But we did. Like he gave so much love and so much art to us and and as an example as well that we got so much back that it just made everything so much easier that's the thing that i kind of reflect on and say to different fans when they comment about um when they express dissatisfaction with how little output there was in the last decade of his life or those kind of things i i almost feel like saying a lot well you know the guy had three careers before invincible came out in the Jackson Five and the Jacksons, and then as a solo artist, didn't the guy deserve a break? Didn't the guy deserve to be a father and to to well, enjoy that time? Well, of course, you know by that you know he had three children, and uh, he, like you say, he dedicated um, three, four decades of his three decades of his life uh, just trying to entertain people, and of course, you can you know if you wanted to go and get drunk that's fine <laughs> i i think i would do exactly the same after uh, decades of entertaining people and having <laughs> and having three children absolutely and that's the thing that kind of gets to me on an emotional level is that you know he didn't just spend the last decade of his life lazing around like i mean he had to fight no, no. he had to fight for the biggest through the biggest ordeal of his life with the false child molestation allegations that he that he fought in court and won uh, in 2005. And then ultimately, at the very end of his life in 2009, found the strength to, to come back and uh, conquer the world again through uh, engaging in preparation for the, for the This Is It tour. Uh, yeah, no, exactly. And, you know, it, it's not a secret that he, want, for years and years and years, he wanted to uh, go into films, he wants to... Um, starring films, he wants to direct films, um, and those are the kind of things that I wish that he'd lived to be able to do. You know? And um, but yeah, I mean that last decade of his life. Um, I mean, I was joking before about uh, you know he'd been through a hell of a lot, and the fact that he was still alive anyway after all he'd been through was testament to his um, his strength. So, yeah. Absolutely. So obviously, Michael's legacy. Uh, as one of the greatest artists and entertainers of all time was really set in stone when he passed away. How do you feel that that legacy has been carried on and represented in the six years since him passing by, you know, the estate, the record label, his family and his fans? How how do you feel like his legacy has been handled in general? (laughs) Right. Uh, I find it uh, quite hard to differentiate between Sony and the estate, uh, I mean, I know obviously I know the two very separate entities, but the um, the deals made between them seem to be being made to just fill each other's pockets, um, with uh, very little concern for Michael's artistic reputation um, or personal reputation. You know, and the amount of times that the estate is so silent when there are media attacks on Michael, uh, I just don't understand. I mean, I understand the philosophy that if you don't want, if you don't want to add fuel to the fire, but sometimes you know, uh, principles should dictate that you know a riposte is necessary. Um, I, uh, I'm not a fan of the estate or Sony. Uh, I can say that quite clearly. Uh, I, you know, the sanitization of Michael. Uh, like for example, like the posthumous box set that was released by the estate, the second disc of history, the polemic when uh, Michael defends himself against the allegations, um, was not included in that box. Oh, set. I remember that. Yeah, that was a beautiful looking set. I was going to buy it, and then as soon as I found out it omitted the history album, I was like, uh... Yeah, but 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 why would why would why would they do that? You know, I mean, the history album contains some of his best work, like not just Sonic. Not just sonically, but you know vis- the videos. You know, like Earth Song and Carrie Bruce's videos. You know, incredible. Um, and also, obviously, the whole uh, Michael album with uh, the Casco tracks and her, you know, you know, the largely held fan consensus now is that three of those tracks are performed by an imposter. Um, but yet. 
even after all the controversy, the, the Sony still included them on that digital ultimate collection thing they did. Yeah, that's right. We're gonna we're actually gonna have um, we're working towards having Eddie uh, Casio on our show um, in the coming weeks to, to talk about those songs and give his perspective on them. But we're definitely gonna uh, be putting some questions to him about uh, about that scenario. Mm. I mean, but I mean, when you look at how the estates of Elvis and like Bob Marley, who I mentioned, you know, like the, the estates are treated with such care and reverence, uh, it becomes quite difficult to swallow when you see Michael Jackson's estate after he worked so hard for so long, uh, not being treated with the same respect. You know, uh, like at one point, I think there was a mooted posthumous duet between Michael and Justin Bieber uh, for uh, "Slave to the Rhythm." That's right. It actually leaked uh, out. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. You know. I mean, can you imagine, like, a Elvis Presley, David Cassidy, <laughs> you know? So it's just, it's just, it, you know, it wouldn't happen. It wouldn't. It would never happen. Um, and you know, and the fact that you know Michael Jackson's estate valued Michael's image and likeness, at, I think it was about like two thousand dollars or something. You know, I mean, it's it's obscene. You know. It, it doesn't. It's, it suggests that you know things are not at all well. You know, the Bob Marley estate values his image at like hundreds of millions of dollars, and then the estate of the, the Michael Jackson estate of the nerve to sue counterfeiters selling uh, earrings and things with pictures in my club. And it's like, well, they you value his image at two thousand dollars. How can you possibly sue a, a Japanese counterfeiter? For putting his image on a tea towel, you know it doesn't like it doesn't make any sense. It does not make any sense. And the IR, the IRS, you know, they've caught up with the estate and they're billing them for a billion dollars, which sounds like a bit more of a realistic estimation of Michael's uh, uh, value. It just seems, you know, the way it's all panning out, it seems like the. There's not much care being had for Michael's uh, reputation. Yeah, I think I definitely agree, especially on the note of quality and authenticity. I myself really value as a fan. Like, I mean, I don't mind getting new products. I love getting new products, whether it's, you know, Bad 25 or anything like that or what they put out. But the thing to me is that Michael was such a stickler for quality during his life in terms of the medium like he was always on the cutting edge and he was always putting out things in the best possible quality. Uh, and to me, it would seem like that they are the estate often and Sony often settle for second best in terms of quality when they could be furthering his legacy by, um, you know, by putting out really high quality products. But again, they've chosen a different path. Well, well, I mean, it just uh, kind of smacks of profiteering. You know, this the whole VHS quality of uh, the Bud 20... Bad 25 Wembley uh, concert, I don't believe for a second. I, I, you know, I can guarantee that, you know, bad, what, bad 40, you know, that will, some, suddenly they will have found this like pristine uh, quality uh, edition of some concert and, and that's what they'll sell them because it's a better quality product. Like, you know, they're, they're playing, they're playing the long game. I am convinced of it. Absolutely. I mean, I've even got a, um, on the note of bad, like bad 25, I've actually got a uh, tweet here. I favorited from Charles Thompson from a few years ago where he's actually, he actually sent me an article that uh, a videographer wrote who captured the bad tour at Wembley in London on high quality film. And this, uh, this guy, um, you know, I think his name's Warren Eagles, and he wrote this article in uh, July 29th, 2011, and we'll we'll put this in the show notes, but it's an article um, written for the International Colorist Academy, and his job was, sorry, not a videographer, he was a colorist, and he was grading, color grading the Michael Jackson Bad Tour, uh, filmed in 88, directed by Patrick Kelly, and he's talking all about capturing it on very, very high-quality footage. Uh, and that this article, you know, really flies in the face of anything that... Um, the estate said during the release of Bad 25. And uh, for me, it, it's a matter of, you know, if they shot things on 35mm, 16mm, whatever, if they're shooting film, cinema quality video, don't release anything at all until you can release that. 
Mm. Uh, well, but yeah, absolutely. But the point is, I absolutely believe they they do have those things. Mm. It's just that you know, in in fifteen years' time, or where, you know, they will have suddenly discovered these things in a vault, and um, everybody will be forced to buy the same thing again, but in better quality. You know, I mean, obviously. I have no idea whether that's true or not, like, but um, it just, you know, it's, until, not until the estate kind of hold their hands up and apologise for including uh, three allegedly <laughs> fake tracks on the, um, the Michael album, on the Michael album, I, I just can't take them seriously, and especially not when they're valuing his image at two thousand dollars. You know, it's just. Doesn't make it's just ridiculous. I think the least we can say is they need to lift their game big time. <laughs> like that's the the least the least we can say. But what like I was it, wondering, it, what it, do you it think? would be it would be nice if they could um, explain the uh, the will anomaly as well. The uh, the signing of the will uh, that would be nice if they could explain how uh, Michael uh, was able to be in two places uh, at the same time. That would be yeah, that's a pretty obvious one that hasn't been answered yet. Swept under the rug. There's, there's, like, there's been a lot of dodgy sort of stuff, I guess, since his passing. Um, what do, you, what, do you, what would you say would be the most positive thing to have happened for Michael's legacy since he passed? I love uh, the charities that have been set up in his name. Uh, Michael Jackson's legacy, who I'm de- uh, donating uh, a percentage of the profits of the book to, um, are one of, they just kind of typify exactly what I think Michael's legacy should be, uh, which is you know, you know they put so much effort into uh, actual practical. Uh, they've just built a school in Haiti. I think their next project is to um, is to do with elephants, you know, they they, they are really hands-on with um, the projects that they do, and um, and I think all these things that have sprung up, uh, all the charities, and that's that's just one of them. There's, there's quite a few, and that's exactly what Michael's legacy should be. Which is in complete polar opposite to what his estate support and what they are doing. Well, exactly, it's, it's the, exactly. They're just opposite vision of the the two. Like what is happening well, from one end of the scale to the other is just astounding. Exactly, especially when you consider that in the will, um, Michael asked for, I think was it, I think it's, uh, it was twenty percent or twenty five percent of the will to go to um, charitable causes. Uh, not a penny of that has gone to um, any charitable causes whatsoever. Uh, so you know, it's like you say, it's the polar opposite of what they're doing. Absolutely. So. Back to the book, because I want us to return to, to talking about that a little bit. That is, you know, obviously the, the main topic of our show and in speaking uh, with you. What do you say to fans that say, well, well, hang on a second, writing a book on Michael Jackson, that's just cashing in on him. What, what do you say to people like that say that kind of thing? Uh, I imagine that is true for a lot of um, people who do that. Um, uh, I have uh, yet to earn one penny <laughs> from uh, the first book of Michael. Um, there is, there was never. I started that. I started the blog um, purely out of because I wanted to address the AEG trial when that first started, and um, it kind of it went on from there. It became a lot more successful than I could ever have imagined. Um, I then people were messaging me asking me if I was going to turn the blog into a book. Yeah, uh, and I did, and but my the book, like I say, you know, like you say, is a is a love letter to Michael. It's got nothing to do uh, with uh, making money out of his name or anything like that. I just for him and his legacy. Yeah. And also, like you touched on before. There is part proceeds of this is actually going to a charity. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. No. Yeah. 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 Uh, well. Exactly. I mean, that's kind of. I just want to. 
I just, you know, one thing that another thing that people say to me is like, Michael would be proud. Yes. And and that is that is very important to me. Absolutely. As ridiculous as that, as ridiculous as that might sound to some people, that that is kind of uh, probably uh, my like, biggest motivating factor. Uh, you know, factor. You That's know. I know exactly what you're talking about because even putting out this show is you know the MJ cast really the the main purpose the only purpose behind it is to document Michael Jackson's legacy uh in a in a medium which he's currently not very well represented in but just in in a, in a level of quality and with a level of depth that I think he would like to be proud of as as if he was still alive today so I, I know exactly what you're talking about there I think yeah well yeah thank you I mean I I mean, that's one thing, one thing that Karen says in the in the foreword. You know, um, you know, it, she's happy that there is somebody who is writing about Michael with the depth that he would have appreciated. Yes. So, and that and that means everything to me. So, I, you know, I like I said, I don't have not received a penny from the book, um, but whenever I, if I log on to Twitter or Facebook and I get a positive comment, that just that is everything to me. And you, you did mention before you were holed up in a room, you know, time yeah. away from your family, eating lollies and, you know, yeah. and we know um, another author that's working on books and people think that they're doing this to earn money. They are spending huge, a huge amount of money for research, for travel, to, to, to interview people um, and people think they're doing this to make money. They are losing so much money and so much time and they are doing it really hard, sacrificing huge, huge things to, to write a book or to do something towards Michael's legacy. And then you get people trashing on that, saying, oh, they're out to make money on Michael's name. It's like, well, no, they're actually doing a proper job. Writing a book isn't something he would, you know, it's a career to, to earn money, yes, but it's also, it's an art form and it's not to cash in. It's, it's your job. You don't. I'm not cashing in being a flight attendant as my career. That's my job. Yeah. Same thing with me being a teacher. Yeah, I mean, you're not cashing in. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, but the, you know, I can't really stress how kind of the amount of sacrifice that I've made trying writing the book it is. Um, yeah, I don't want to go into any too many personal details, but you know, I, I uh, like say, you know, sacrificing time with my children was. Very, very difficult, but I felt like I felt like I had to. I felt once I started, you know, there were times when I was thinking, "God, I wish I'd never started this." Yes. But uh, but as soon as I started, and then it got bigger and bigger and bigger, I couldn't stop. There was no point in stopping because I, you know, I, was, I was doing it. And um, but it, you know, not for a minute have I, has there been ever been any kind of. You know, I'm not. <laughs> I'm hold up, literally hold up in a dark room um, with a computer and sweets, uh, writing a book, <laughs> uh, and, and uh, you know, it was, and I'm, well, you know, still no, you know, I, I, I can't afford to pay my rent. I, I you know, I, but I, I didn't do it out of anything apart from uh, uh, love for Michael. It certainly shows in the book. Um, so, what's the one thing? About Michael Jackson, that you wish would get more attention. Uh, well, definitely uh, his uh, humanitarian work. Um, you know, I mean, I'm describing the book. Well, I start with I start the book, you know, saying that this uh, triumvirate of topics that are discussed about Michael. One is um, his legal issues, uh, the other is his art, and the other is uh, his face, and. Um, I end the book by kind of saying, well, all of those things um, just are so insignificant when you look at the importance of the humanitarian and uh, philanthropic work that he was trying to do, um, and that's the stuff that gets up, that's the stuff that gets up overlooked by all this superficial nonsense of uh, like his face and well, no, um, uh, it, you know, it all gets undermined by. Um, Mal, you know, malice. So, but yeah, I mean, I wish people could understand the amount of 
work that he put into trying to make the world a better place. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. It's not only the media that sort of uh, ignore that side of him, though, as well. Like The media very rarely would report on his uh, charity work and, and the huge things he did for environmental causes and stuff like that. But even now, since he's passed, like the estate haven't addressed that at all. So they also don't seem to support that side. They, it, because for them, I guess it would not, or they can't see how to monetize it. So they're just going to ignore it. And that's an absolute tragedy because yes, tragedy. he left some, some of the most incredible art um, that we were so blessed to even be alive in the time of Michael to have experienced that art as it was created and, and performed. Um, but to have, we were so lucky to see he, the other side of him. And then that's the side that is so often overlooked. And it, yeah, it's an absolute tragedy well, because there I was mean, a, tra- tragedy is the word, you know, I mean, it's, um, you know, Michael was the most famous man in the world and, you know, he knew that and he tried to make a difference. And I still don't think, you know, his, the mission's over. I still think it's, it's still possible. Um, totally. Uh, but, 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 um, you know, it doesn't help when the estate are promoting things like uh, holograms of him, uh, which is the, not even of him, yes. holograms of likes of him, uh, which is, it's just, I mean. Which they've done twice now. Yeah, I mean, you can't get more disrespectful than that, I don't think. Mm. I think they should equally concentrate on the charity side and the, the, the figure that he was for environmentalism and world peace yes. and charity, I think they should concentrate on that as much as his art as a dancer, singer and songwriter. Um, and it's sad that that doesn't happen. And we've spoken about the, the good side of Michael that is overlooked. What do you think, Sil, was his greatest asset as an artist, though? Dancer, singer, songwriter. How, how do you see that side of Michael? Uh, well, the... The first, uh, well, the introduction to the book is all about um, Michael as a dancer, and um, I do kind of talk about this how um, you know there's debate about whether Michael was a better dancer, singer, songwriter. Um, for for me, um, I it, it's his dancing. Um, I you know, um, but also, well, it's it's, it's, def- it's very difficult. You know, that's why there's debate about it. It's very difficult, um, but I think. You know, the amount of iconic and timeless um, choreography that he uh, created is just... I don't think anybody could um, could match that. But then again, you know, talking about uh, the, his um, efforts for charity, as a songwriter, if you look at Earth Song, um, biggest, that was his biggest selling UK single. Uh, was it number one for seven weeks? I think here, and in, in, including Christmas number one. Phenomenal. And um, you know, and you know, you know, nobody else has ever written a song like that, and I'm not sure anybody else could. Um, so, you know, by no means am I um, uh, kind of underrating his ability as a songwriter, right? but uh, or a singer. Uh, but I just love watching him dance. So. I, that's my favourite bit. Awesome. I think so cool. I think I'd have to agree, you know, like I mean I think Michael's a phenomenal songwriter and singer, one of the best of each of those that's ever lived and probably my favorite singer <laughs> that's ever lived, but it's it's when I watch him dancing on stage in those concerts, you know, it doesn't matter which show, it's just that's when I feel like wow, you know, just that. <laughs> but it's you know it's it's funny before um before uh, started speaking to you tonight, uh, I watched um, the clip of uh, the Oprah Winfrey interview where it was uh, uh, it showed it showed when she when he dances for Oprah on the stage and then he sits down on the stage and does his beatboxing and uh, sings some Who Is It and like but all of the, I mean this is why it's so difficult to differentiate between dancer singer songwriter because just in that in that clip. It's all, uh, yeah. And to be able to say, oh, say which which bit is better is, you know, the fact that he wrote that, how he wrote, who is it with the beatboxing and doing the beatboxing and the lyrics to who is it incredible and, um, 
obviously the you know the dancing he does for her, all of it is there, and, and it's you know it's very very difficult to say which is the best because in that clip, you know the, the beatboxing is just like it's other otherworldly. You know, it's incredible. Absolutely agree. I, I actually recently watched the uh, Oprah interview. I hadn't seen it for years, and I watched it the other weekend um, after we recorded our episode one. And yeah, that that moment, even as a kid, seeing that was just incredible. Like like you said, that was every aspect pretty much of his artistry right there in one short clip. And I can't actually decide myself which I could pick was my favourite sort of artistic asset from Michael because I can't differentiate between them all. It was so intrinsic and he was a master at every one of them. Yeah. And in that little clip, he just did it all and he made it, he always made it look so effortless. Mm. It was just, he wasn't even trying. He just, it just happened. Well, that's, that's genius for you, isn't it? It is. Absolutely. So, Sil, um, where can fans of your work access you online? Like, where can they find you? Are you on Twitter? Are you, where can they find you? Uh, yeah, um, Twitter, uh, at Sil Mortilla, um, Facebook, and search Sil Mortilla, S Y L M O R T I W L A. You can either add me as a friend, or you can like the um, uh, the writer page. Or uh, SilMortilla.com is my blog. And if you are interested in the book, then uh, you could either uh, search on Amazon for Sil Mortilla or um, Smashwords. Uh, Google Smashwords, some more to learn. Um, and it's all there. That's it. We'll certainly make sure to put those links in the show notes as well for anybody who wants to uh, get a copy of Sill's book. I, I personally couldn't recommend it any more than what I've already done. It is a phenomenal, phenomenal read. If you want to understand the mind of a deep, deep thinking Michael Jackson fan, if you want to learn about world history and Michael Jackson and the Jacksons all in one package. This is it. This is a great, great book with so much passion, so much care and effort and attention to detail. Uh, it was a great read and uh, I just couldn't recommend it anymore. Make sure you get your hands on a copy of the first book of Michael by Sil Mortilla. You're an absolute um, credit to the community, Sil, and your work goes um, with all the respect it should deserve. I, I just want to say thank you for all that you do uh, for Michael, for his legacy, and for the fan community. Um, you're, you're a real treasure and very much appreciate that you are up in the dead of night talking to us um, that at this time, but it would be an absolute pleasure to speak to you anytime. And yeah, just thank you for all that you do for Michael. Like you... I think we've mentioned it on the show before. You're like the voice of the fans and we appreciate that you are the voice for us because you say it so well. well uh, thank you very much. That is very, very kind. It really is. And um, it's uh, no problem at all being up in the middle of the night. <laughs> well, it is. I'm going to bed. <laughs> We're probably edging closer to morning right now, aren't we? <laughs> Uh, it's, it's close to three in the morning now. Wow. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> what a legend. I think you might deserve a uh, sleep in tomorrow morning there, Sil. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a go. I've just got a new cat. So oh. if, if, she, if, she, if she lets me, then yes, uh, I will. What's your cat's name? Uh, her name is Fish. Fitch. Fish. Fitch. What's Fish? Okay, cool. Like Fish is in F-I-S-H? <laughs> yes, because um, she... Uh, she's a she's a very slippery cat. Uh, I've, been, I've been trying to hold. I've been trying to hold her, and um, you know she's still settling in, so she keeps slipping out of my arms, and so she's a fish. Oh well, um, all the best with the new cat as well. I, I have to say, just off topic completely, I'm surprised we've got two cats um, here at my house, and I'm surprised that they've behaved so well during all of our recording sessions. Because usually, if you're in the office and you're not giving them any attention, they're walking all on the computer and closing tabs, and they're all over you and making a big ruckus. Well, so I think uh, when you edit this. Um you might hear her crying in the background. She was crying before, so. Uh, but, oh, that's yeah. okay. That's all right. Maybe she just wants to get 
wants to get in on the get in on the, po- uh, the podcast. We're actually my <laughs> wife and I we're going to buy a cat this weekend. Uh, We've never owned a cat. Well, that's we'll, awesome. We'll all be um, cat owners next Yeah. And I've noticed in our Twitter stream uh, a good number of our um, fans on Twitter actually post great cat pictures of their cats as well. <laughs> so. Hey, they're a great animal and they're a good pet. So yep. all the best with your new one, Jamie. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe I should get a cat with, you know how you get cats with like the feet and they've got like white feet? Maybe I should do that like because Michael had like white socks. <laughs> yes. So like a white, yeah, yeah. you know. And a little, a little, a little fedora or something. Okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to get a cat with the white, white feet, <laughs> put a fedora on it, and I'm going to take an MJ cat photo. Maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> 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 excellent excellent uh so thank you so much seal for coming on the show uh it's been a real pleasure anytime you want to come back on in the future if you want to if you want to come on the mj cast and we can talk about michael in general and things that are happening in in the michael community it'd be really appreciated but thank you um thank you very much and it's much appreciated that you uh, let me come on the show it's a real honor um and i'd be very happy to come on again so thank you. No, it's our honor, our honor. Thank you, Sil. You go to bed, mate. <laughs> I am now going to bed. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Good night. Good night, Sil. Good night. Well, there we go, guys. That's our first special of the MJ cast, Done and Dusted. We've had an awesome interview with Sil Mortilla. Make sure you pick up a copy of his book, The First Book of Michael. Uh, You might be wondering where you can find us uh, on the internet. Uh, Of course, you can go to themjcast.com and and find all the links to our different social networks on there. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes. Again, if you go to themjcast.com and just click that big purple button up the top right, which will take you to iTunes, you can subscribe to us. Uh, There's a bunch of different ways you can stream our show live on YouTube. You can stream our show on the website, but we'd love it if you could engage with our show as it's in, intended to be heard as a podcast uh q where can people find us on our social networks uh well we also have a you can contact us directly on email at the mjcast at icloud.com we are on twitter as at the mjcast and facebook uh, we are facebook.com slash the mjcast so we're all over the place. We're on Instagram too. Can't remember what you type in to get us there, but <laughs> you can find that on our uh, on our website. But uh, we love fan interaction, so make sure you're getting in contact with us and letting us know how the show's going and and all that kind of thing. But otherwise, I think that's a bit of a uh, that's a wrap for tonight. Uh, thank you so much for listening to our first the MJ Cast special with Seal Mortilla. Thanks, guys, and keep Michaeling. <laughs>